0: I have to tell you, I love uh, that I've had the opportunity to watch John's transformation story and just what Jesus has done in his home and uh, in his life. And I uh, love that I'm going to get to continue to follow that. You guys got to see that story. But he also wrote, his song is a lot longer. So later today, uh, we're going to actually post it up on social media if you want to check it out. I just think it's a, just a beautiful testimony to his story and um, what God is doing in there. So, but for today, this is Easter Sunday, and so we say, he is risen All right, some of you guys got it. This is an old churchy thing. Um, What you're supposed to say, I don't know why you're supposed to, just what you do, they always on this, is you say, He is risen indeed. That's your response. So I get to say, "He He is risen. Amen. Yeah, that's what's up. So, hey, what an honor it is to be with you, to be with you in your home, if you're with us in San Francisco, wherever you're coming from, as we celebrate the epic event. Of Easter. This is the death and resurrection that literally unhinges us from our limited capacity, um, our limited human capacity, from fear, from all kinds of things, from sin, from death, and all the things that have oppressed humanity forever. The events that we're celebrating this weekend, friends, literally changed everything, everywhere, for everyone, including you. But how? I love how Napoleon puts it. He says, uh, he didn't say that part. He said, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ was no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I founded empires, but on what did we rest Uh, But what did we rest the creations of our genius upon force? Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of people would die for him. I love that. I love that empire of love, or Jesus' preferred term, would be kingdom of love. And what can that kingdom of love do? I want to just briefly talk this morning about the death and the resurrection of Jesus and what it means in our real lives today, particularly in the situation that we found ourselves over this last year, right now for all of us around the world. There are two snapshots that I want to kind of lean into. We're going to snapshot of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We're going to zoom in on this a little bit so we can contemplate, so we can... um, Figure this out together to celebrate, but also walk into, participate in the death and resurrection of Jesus this weekend. In John's gospel, chapter 19, verse 38, there's this curious little story that's just kind of sandwiched right in the middle of it all, right after Jesus' death. It says this in verse 38. It says, later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus's body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Now, this is a fascinating little tiny snapshot of what the death of Jesus might possibly mean in terms of liberating power. Here's what I mean. Of course, we just saw that Joseph and Nicodemus had spelled out there in Scripture that they were secret disciples. They had been motivated by fear that kept them stuck in this oppressive state, in this cycle in their own life. But they are also participants in the body of these religious leaders that actually crucified Jesus. They were a part of this whole thing. Whether they were complicit personally or not, they were a part of the system of oppression that ended up with Jesus on the cross. And Nicodemus particularly, I love that John's gospel actually adds Nicodemus to this story. It's a throwback. This is supposed to remind us of John chapter 3. So if you go back to John chapter 3, you'll see this conversation that was had, that Jesus had with Nicodemus, who's a, a Pharisee, a religious leader, And he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night for fear of what the community would think if they saw them communing together, what the religious leaders would think about this meeting. And he's dominated by this spirit of fear. And he asks Jesus, all these questions. I just love this whole chapter. You also see the most famous verse in the Bible, at least in our time in this chapter, which is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in Jesus would have eternal life this one, if you don't even go to church, uh, or you've never really been to church, you've probably seen it at a football game, or if you've ever been in and out you can just look at the bottom of the cup, you can read it there. It's the most <laughs> famous verse. But you know, this is also in this chapter where there's this fascinating conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus, where Nicodemus is saying, look, it, I'm watching you, Jesus. How How do you live this way? How do you lead this way? He notices that Jesus isn't just a teacher, but there's something actually going on. There's something otherworldly. There's something divine about him where he's not afraid. He's free to love. He's absolutely free to do what it is that he knows his best self would do. He's been liberated, and Nicodemus is saying, what is that? Tell me the secret to that. How do I get there? And Jesus says to him, well, you know, you got to be born again. And That's another Christian term that's really, really popular. Are you born again? And Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about, born again? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. not humanly born again, but divinely born again, spiritually born again. You need to be born of the spirit. You need to live a new way. There needs to be a regeneration, something that happens inside of you that liberates you from your own human condition and Nicodemus is still <laughs> scratching his head. And then just before the most famous verse in John 3:16, you get John 3:14. If you have your Bibles, you can look at that or you can open that up in your app. You can read the whole chapter. I recommend it, it's fascinating. But Nicodemus is scratching his head saying like, What's going on here? I just still don't understand this. And Jesus kind of throws him a bone. Like kind of throws him this precursor to the crucifixion. And he says this in John 3, 14. It says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. Now when you're reading this, most of you just, and most of us just kind of go like, uh, okay. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. And we just move on, right? But. What is that? To a Jewish leader, to a Pharisee, to someone who has studied scriptures and considers themselves a disciple of Moses, what that is is this little story in Numbers chapter 21. Or if you go back in the Hebrew scripture, um, it was called In the Desert. This was a time in the Old Testament that Israelites were wandering around the desert. And they're being bitten by these poisonous snakes. And actually, they think that this is punishment from God. And so they cry out. They say to Moses, Will you please help us figure out what to do about the suffering and the death that we're in right now in this moment? And God, uh, and then so Moses says to God, Please help your people who are suffering from the result of these poisonous snakes. So Moses says to God, um, help them. And so God tells Moses, here's what you do. I want you to actually make a bronze statue, like a bronze image of a snake, and then put it on a pole, and then hold it up. And then, so when all the Israelites see it, they would be healed. And it's like, what? What is happening right now? This is such an obscure story. And just a couple verses in uh, Numbers 21 that Jesus is referencing where it says, make a bronze statue of a snake, and then hold it up And you're like, out of all the things you would make a statue or like an image of, right, especially a snake, I don't know about you guys, but I, like snakes are bad, right? I don't do snakes. I'm like a big guy, but you want to see me scream and run. I'll tell you one little quick example. People here are bullies, right? I got some bullies on my staff. (laughs) If you have never been to our campus, we're surrounded by open space, and there's all kinds of critters, including snakes that one in this space. And I remember uh, a couple years back, there was a woman who had come to my office and she was having a conversation with me and there's a couch in there. And uh, my back was to the window. I was sitting there. And then all of a sudden, she's like, oh my gosh, right? And that makes you go like, what, what? Like, what are you talking about? And you could tell it was something right behind me in the window. So I proceeded to turn around and someone thought it was really funny. They're holding this huge like snake that they had caught right up next to the window. So I scream, (laughs) jump up, grab. she's up now standing up, and I literally took her and used her as a human shield (laughs) in front of the thing going, oh, gosh, right? (laughs) Now, mind you, we're inside of a building with a window, there's furniture, and now a woman in front of me to protect me from the snake. So I would like to think that you would want something else representing, (laughs) like... In this image, like some sort of hope or crown or alpha omega or Yahweh or something, wouldn't you want it to be something else? But Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus that there's something that needs to be done to be liberated. You need to actually find, to be, you need to be willing to, to see the source of your suffering. And see, what I think that Numbers 21 is about is God is trying to communicate that even then that he's not the source of our suffering, of their suffering, that actually it's the snake that's the source of the suffering, suffering. And just like that, you could, I could, we could imagine Nicodemus sort of going over in his mind the words that he shared with Jesus and the truth that Jesus taught him. And then he wasn't still yet getting it, but he, he, now he sees Jesus lifted up on a cross and he sees what the cross And Jesus on the cross represents. He sees a mirror. He sees truth. He sees this insight that the cause of our suffering, the cause of our pain, the cause of Jesus' death is not God. It's us. It's me. I held the nails. It's me. It's the thing that the cross represents, the death of Jesus, is so liberating because it's the truth. But it's the truth in love. So when Jesus was lifted up on the cross, it's like two things happened, two corresponding truths at the same time happened here. The first thing that we see is we see our own human capacity. It leads to a great evil. Our own human capacity, it leads to human brokenness. It, it leads to uh, our, uh, our own human selfishness, to our grasping for power, for our taking of charge, our wanting to control things. And all of that stuff actually leads to the crucifixion. It leads to death. But when at the same time, Jesus demonstrates this incredible power, this is love that actually can overcome evil with good on the cross. Jesus utters the words on the cross, forgive them. Even as he's being crucified, Father, forgive them. And Nicodemus is all of a sudden realized it's like the penny drops. And he goes, oh. I don't know exactly what happens, but all I know is that when Nicodemus sees this, something changes, Nicodemus is liberated, he's set free from his fear in so many ways. It's unbelievable. If you if you there was a list of things that you shouldn't do if you were afraid, if you were afraid of your reputation, or you were afraid of your future, your peers. Like it's like Nicodemus just started doing all of those things. If he was afraid of the religious leaders, he here he comes now out in broad daylight when it's at the epicenter when everyone literally is watching what's going on. And now Nicodemus has like a scorecard in this Uh, You go, check, he's no longer afraid of his peers because he has to go to Pilate. If you're afraid of Rome and you're afraid of the governor and you're afraid of political implications of being associated with Jesus, check. He's now shown up there with Joseph for permission to take his body. Now, what's really fascinating about this uh, is that nobody really collected bodies of crucified people. They were thrown in this one area, like this mass Grave, because nobody wanted to be associated with crucified people for all kinds of reasons. One, often they were criminals, so they were already dislocated from things. But often there was political descendants, and if you were, you know, uh, connected to them, then you would be implicated, and you're not going to want to be a part of that bad reputation. And not only that, but you would have to wade and crawl through and walk through this this terrible scene of, like, suffering and death and walking over bodies and Going through all sorts of stuff, that's what that would require. So if Nicodemus was afraid of suffering, if he was afraid of death, if he was afraid of being associated with Jesus, he's checking off the scorecard. Can I ask you this one question, friends? What would you do if you weren't afraid? So we see this transformation happen in Nicodemus. And we're not even at the resurrection yet. We're just at the death of Jesus. But there's something so liberating about seeing the source of your suffering. So let's be clear. God is not the source of your suffering. God is not the source of punishment. He's not mad at you. God loves you. And actually, as soon as you can come to see the result of your own human capacity for evil, you can also see in Jesus on a cross a demonstration of power greater than you, a power greater than any other force that would try to keep death at the center of our conversation. It's a force of life. It's a force of love. When you see that, when you give in to that, when you absorb that, when you see the demonstration of no greater love than this, then you're liberated from a life of fear. I love reading the story. It was a hard story to read of uh, Father Giuseppe. He was a, a priest in Italy when everything got real bad this last year in Italy, and his um, Um, parishioners, they had raised up money to buy him a ventilator. He had ended up getting COVID. He was 72 years old because there was just not ventilators available there. And he's now in the hospital and he sees a young man suffering and going through this uh, disease that didn't have a ventilator. And it says they watched and without hesitation, he took his ventilator and gave it to this young man, which ultimately then led to his death. But life for this Young man, and you sit there and go, Why? Like, how? And then you go, Oh, there's power greater than fear. There's power. There's a, a love that can manifest itself. Even in suffering, Father Giuseppe, who was a father, was not afraid. Fear wasn't driving him. He wasn't afraid of death. He wasn't afraid of suffering. He wasn't afraid anymore. He was liberated. Because he knows the power of love. And that's what love is, friends, and can do. That's the death of Jesus. And so I hope you can look at the cross, Jesus on the cross, as a reflection of the end of yourself. I know that uh, anyone who's ever done any recovery work knows that the way into a new life is first by acknowledging the limitations of your own power, right? Because left to your own devices, what I end up with is crucifixion. What I end up with is violence. What I end up with is fear. What I end up with is death. But thanks be to God that there is a power greater than me, and his name is Jesus, That's love. And that's the power that Jesus displays on the cross, a power that I can actually give into that will liberate me from a life of fear. Several years ago, my oldest daughter, um, she was about six or so at the time, and we had been starting to do um, these Good Friday experiences where it's like a really gruesome service. Like, it's very dark. It's very deaf. It's very remember the, the stations kind of of the cross. And even before we started doing that for the congregation at wide, we, I, I was doing that actually with students beforehand. And so I had dragged her with me uh, one night. She's like six. And she's super well-behaved. But she was not that night, right? <laughs> and so, like, I'm even trying to experience this in this, you know, Good Friday moment and just, be present in all of this. And honestly, it was just frustrating. I couldn't kind of get a control. It was just one of those nights. And so I had to leave early. And I remember I was buckling in the car, and I was like, hey, girlfriend, what's your problem, right? And I remember Maddie looking at me in the face, and she goes, my problem? My problem, she said. What's your guys' problem? Doesn't anybody realize that Jesus isn't dead, that he's alive? <laughs> And I said, well, that leads to this, Resurrection Sunday. So here we go. So we have now talked about the death, which is important. But now let's take a peek into a little snapshot of the resurrection of Jesus. The death and resurrection of Jesus matters so much to the way that you live your life and the way that I live my life. In John chapter 20, just the next chapter, a couple paragraphs later, there's this appearance where Jesus appears to his disciples. Now, can I just say that the first appearance in the resurrection is to Mary, is to a woman, Jesus instructing a female disciple to go tell the good news, and I love that we at Northgate are keeping the tradition that Jesus established that on that first resurrection to allow women to preach the good news everywhere. But in verse 19, chapter 20, it says this. On that Sunday evening... When the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. His disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, I think that we can all relate like the disciples to being stuck inside of a room. (laughs) I think we can all relate to even being stuck inside because of fear, even being stuck inside of ourselves. Even the disciples of Jesus in the moment find themselves immobilized in the spot and Jesus suddenly is a man among them. He is among them. In other words, friends, Jesus is with us. It's the resurrection that makes it possible for Jesus to actually show up. For Jesus to be in places that we just don't think that maybe he's just not. For Jesus to show up inside of our homes. He's resurrected. He's life he has no more boundaries. There's no physical limitations to the, his presence anymore. And he's suddenly among them, and I pray, oh, I pray that in your homes and in this room and your space, wherever you find yourself, where you're feeling locked up or places where you're feeling stuck or just in a mess with relationships, that you would know that Jesus is with you And what Jesus says is so key. He says, peace, be with you. He says it two times, and I really don't want to miss this. Peace, be with you. The last thing that Jesus actually said to his disciples in John 14 when he was talking to them about the events that were going to take place, he was trying to explain this to them, and they can't really comprehend it. And he's saying, it's going to be hard. You're going to be confused. Don't be afraid. And he says, take courage because I'm going to give you courage. Peace, And he tells his disciples in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not give, I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace of my presence is with you, of course. It comes down to peace. You know, we're, we're so used to peace being the absence of conflict, aren't we? When everything is fine, then everything will be fine. That's what peace looked like. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter the circumstance. Even in the presence of great suffering and great difficulty and great fear, Jesus is among us. He is saying peace. Let me tell you, peace, friends, is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of him. It's the presence of love. Somebody needed to hear that. When you're sitting there going, I just need peace, please pray for peace, it doesn't mean the conflict's going to go away. It means he's there, he's going to show up, and you need to recognize that he's there because it's love. That's what love can do. It can bring peace. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, it can bring peace. Even when we're afraid and stuck, it can bring peace when we're suffering. And friends, we don't know what the future holds. I don't know what the future holds, what your future holds, what's going to happen tomorrow, the next month. But peace be with you. And then Jesus does something kind of awkward. <laughs> he breathes on them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like reading this story and I was like, this is weird, like he just on them. Like, I don't understand. I immediately went to this scene. I don't know many of you guys saw this, but when Lance Stevenson blew in LeBron James' ear in the middle of a basketball game. Right? I don't know how many of you guys have seen this. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's even happening right now? Right? So I'm, like, reading this, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Jesus breathed on me. He was like, <laughs> and they're like, what do we do with that? <laughs> Peace be with you. So, this is actually what Jesus this is what it says. <clears throat> it's just as funny. You can go through it. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let's pay attention, friends. Breath. The breath of God. You remember the way that humans were created? not by some sort of cosmic accident, but actually designed by God himself. You were designed as a human by God to actually steward the world as part of imaging to God, the created order. In Genesis chapter one, you see this. It gives the story of the human creation account. That when God himself, it says in scriptures, breathes his spirit into humanity, and they come alive. And here we are in this room. The disciples are like locked up, and Jesus says, don't be afraid. Peace. The presence of God is with you. The presence of love that can liberate you. Now receive my spirit. He's creating a new humanity. He's restoring us to what he originally designed us to be, where we're no longer limited by fear. We're no longer limited by our own human capacity. There is a power greater than us in Jesus to fill us with breath, to fill us with the newness of life. And here's what's interesting, friends. I, I have uh, so many friends that... Um, Um, Our counselors, let me tell you, they have been busy this last (laughs) year. You know, like we're just all dealing with just things we never thought we would deal with before when it comes to just our mental health and our emotional health and even things that I've experienced and shared before that I never imagined I would have experienced. And I think it's so fascinating. I've asked them, like, hey, how are you dealing with this? And they, they, they told me, you know what the number one thing that we're telling people to do? Breathe. To take a deep breath to slow down and to breathe. And it's because that, that, that we've been in this season when we're facing crises of our own or just all together. And there's just so many things coming at us faster than we can respond to it in this life. And we get in this kind of panic survival mode, and there's this reptilian part of our brain that's actually in the back that like, neurologically creates this shallow breathing in us, and it triggers our brain and our body into this survival mentality mode where it's like fight or freeze or fight, uh, you know, flight, get away. And we get into these defensive modes. I don't know about you, but it seems like Maybe some of us have like a little bit of a shorter temper. <laughs> we don't even know why. This year, and uh, I've, I've called it with um, my youngest daughter, we call it like the lava explosions of like, where would that come from, right? And just, and you're like, whoa, slow it down, breathe, right? And so they said, I've just been instructing people to, to just deeply take deep breaths. Friends, what do you need to be breathing? The, day. the resurrection of Jesus tells us to breathe peace. So this week, as I've been just preparing and walking through this Holy Week, I even got away to Dillon Beach for a little bit and just like walked miles, it felt like, and just breathing peace be with you, peace be with you. Jesus breathes on his disciples who are in the survivor mode. They're like stuck in that part of their brain, even neurologically. And Jesus is the creator of humanity. He knows how our body works. He knows how our emotions are wired, and he knows what we need when we need it. He says, receive the breath of God. And he breathes on them, reminding them that this was always his plan to have humanity that would image him to the world for us to be the kind of humans That he was. You see, Jesus isn't meant to be this like far off thing leader that we admire. But his presence of love in our lives that enabled us to be the types of humans that we were always designed to be. Free. Loved. Whole. Peace. Be with you. All of us are dealing with some kind of crisis or a crisis is on the way. (laughs) I wonder if we could just take a couple of moments and invite Jesus into our space. Some of you are watching with us right now, maybe with relatives, you got sent this link or you don't even know why you're watching us, or maybe you're one of the CEOs that are here, the Christmas and Easter only people. I see you. (laughs) Welcome. I am glad you're here. But you don't even know if you, like, believe or understand this whole Easter thing or this thing that people are celebrating literally around the world today. I want to speak to you. I want to speak to you. You don't have to live in a life that is dominated by fear. You don't have to live a life where your own human capacity is on display by all the things that are messed up, by all the relationships that are messed up in this life. The crucified Jesus was the end to your own human capacity. Now you get to live a life that's liberated from fear. You can live and tap into the power that's even greater than you, the power of the love that Jesus demonstrated by his death and more specifically his resurrection. You can allow the love to bring peace right where you are and breathe life into you. John chapter 3, it's all coming back full circle. Nicodemus is like, so how, how can I be born again? That doesn't make any sense. And Jesus says, oh, no, no, no. Not of human capacity, but of the spirit. Let the spirit of Christ, the breath of God, the divine breath of love, fill you. And then you, 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 as disciples, go on and demonstrate lives of love that are no longer marked with fear. There's no locking them into rooms anymore. They have become liberated to live, love, and spread love, and let love transform everything, everywhere. Friends, I want to live a life that's transformed. And if you do too... This is why we're remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're not remembering just some historical event today. We are entering into present day reality, friends, where Jesus is alive, where Jesus is with us, where Jesus is bringing peace, where he's bringing forgiveness, where he's bringing freedom, where he's bringing renewal. Jesus is inviting us To receive the divine breath of love. Beloved. Peace be with you. And the thing about this is you don't have to be qualified. You don't have to be some kind of like special person right now. Even in your own living room, on your laptop, your car, wherever you are. You're sitting in here and you're kind of waking up right now. This is accessible. Accessible. This is accessible to every single human. You just have to receive the breath of life because of the resurrection to life. You just have to look at the truth and get to the end of yourself. With that being said, I want to walk us into communion right now where you can take this out at home or you've got this. And this is the example where Jesus got to the end of of himself, <laughs> literally, for love, where he sat in a room with his disciples and he, and he took this piece of bread, and you can open that up, he took this piece of bread and he says, this bread, this is, represents my body that's gonna be broken for you, for your brokenness, to the end of you, I will break fully and completely for love. And so as we remember today the sacrifice Jesus made before the resurrection happened, would you take the bread? He then sat around in this room with those whom he beloved. And he took this cup. And for them, it was probably wine. This is juice, technically. (laughs) (laughs) And he took this and he said, this is going to represent my blood that's going to be shed for you. And this is really going to be the end of the sacrificial system. But there has to be blood that is shed to sanctify, to reconcile, to redeem And so it's my blood, he said, that I'm going to shed for you because I love you. I'm going to suffer for you. And then friends, you don't get it yet right now, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to breathe and give you my spirit and be with you because I love you. And so today, as you take this, would you remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for you? He is risen. risen. Hey, friends, well, let's stand up and respond in our communion to worship to God.